0: informing america's farmers and ranchers it's adams on agriculture produced by the american ag radio network here's your host mike adams and hello everyone welcome to adams on
1: agriculture thank you for joining us glad you're letting us be part of your day here's what we're going to be talking about a lot of trade issues to talk about with dave Salmonson with the american farm bureau federation we're going to talk about imitation meat lab grown meat fake meat they still haven't really come up with a name for it. That was part of the discussion the last couple of days, a big hearing in Washington, D.C. over what to call this new product, these new products, as well as who should have jurisdiction, FDA, USDA, or perhaps both. We're going to talk about that with Danielle Beck with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Also coming up today, we've been talking a lot about uh, tight storage. State of Illinois, big crop. Looking for places to put it. We're going to talk with the Bureau Chief of Warehouses for the Illinois Department of Agriculture and uh, what they are hearing as far as requests for temporary storage, emergency storage, things like that in the state of Illinois. All that coming up on today's program. But let's start it off with Jerry Hagstrom from the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, thanks for joining us.
2: Yes, good morning, Mike. It's nice to be with you.
1: Well, we are in full campaign mode, right? Uh, The president is uh, uh, campaigning. Secretary Perdue is campaigning. He's showing up in a lot of places, uh, supposedly to talk about ag issues, but he's popping up in places where there are uh, uh, key races going on. So it is full-blown campaign season.
2: Uh, It certainly is. I don't see Secretary Perdue making any appearances with any Democrats right now. Uh, uh-huh. Today he's in South Dakota with the candidates, uh, including uh, Representative Christy Neem, who's running for governor and is having a surprisingly tight race in a state that hasn't elected a Democrat to the governorship in 40 years, from uh, from what I've been reading.
1: Yeah, he, and Secretary Purdue spent the day yesterday in Illinois, and yeah, he's all over uh, some of those key races well, it's going to be interesting because uh, that really sets the stage for moving forward on a lot of key issues.
2: Well, that's right. Uh, last week I was in California, uh, where I think I got something of a sense of how this is how this is playing out. Uh, the suburban states are turning bluer, meaning it's there are Republicans in some of those suburban areas in uh, in in er, that are having a hard time getting reelected. Uh, in the rural areas, they are uh, turning a a bit redder, but it's not clear yet. They're competitive seats. And so last week in California, uh, well, he wasn't in California, but the president was trying to help out the uh, candidates in the uh, Central Valley and the rural areas. Uh, by taking some actions that hopefully would get more water to the, uh, to the farms in, in California.
1: Jerry, of course, a lot of people are now paying attention to the stock market and the economic news. Meanwhile, there's been bad ag economic news for some time now, and as we look at this uh, U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, uh, which the administration is touting will be a real boost for the ag economy, the Federal Reserve Banks in the Midwest are saying that, uh, for now, that that new trade deal would not do much to help, and uh, we're already seeing a lot of pain out there. The dairy industry already asking for more help in the next round of ag assistance. Uh, I think more and more focus is going to start really being uh, put on uh, the state of this ag economy.
2: Oh, I think you're right. And the problem with the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement is that it did not cover – The steel and aluminum tariffs that the Trump administration has imposed on Mexico and Canada. And because the U.S. imposed those tariffs, then Mexico and Canada have put tariffs on U.S. agricultural products. So the dairy industry in particular is saying, well, you can move forward with this thing, but our products are going to be too expensive uh, uh, for the Mexicans or the Canadians to buy if we have these retaliatory tariffs. So they're pushing hard. For the Trump administration to take off those steel and aluminum tariffs. The Trump administration has imposed these tariffs on national security grounds, but the argument is how can this be national security? These are our neighbors, these are our allies. This isn't China, this isn't Russia, this isn't a country with which we have conflicts, so how can you make this argument? Um, But, you know, this is one of those cases where. The president has the power, and there's not much you can do if the president insists on on, on this. And so far, the administration has not removed those tariffs.
1: We're talking with Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Meanwhile, Jerry, uh, uh, House appropriators are putting together an ag spending package. They're going to probably need something in there for some uh, some assistance for those in, in states hit hard by... Uh, the hurricanes. Meanwhile, we keep hearing about the budget cutting going on and Secretary Perdue is saying he thinks they can find ways to cut more out of the uh, ag budget. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how all this works out from you know, in dollars and cents.
2: Well, of course it, w- uh, of course it will be uh, and in terms of the 5% cut, we haven't gotten any details from USDA about what they might cut. Uh, the Democrats are pointing out that the administration has talked about cutting crop insurance, and, of course, that would hit farmers. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, Congress is now working, is going, apparently going to do some kind of, of uh, disaster aid, uh, especially for the farmers in Georgia and Florida. And from what I can tell on a national basis, we don't really quite understand how bad it is in those, in those states. From uh, the you know the the destruction from the from the hurricanes, um, I must admit, as a journalist, uh, I think this is one of those uh, things where we don't report as well on the rural areas because the national journalists are not there. And uh, of course, this is this is really a visual story, uh, but re- re- requires a lot of uh, print reporting too to really understand for the the problem.
1: Well we've been getting reports here on, uh, on this show from North Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, and just hearing about the destruction there and a lot of it more than not it's bad enough to lose this year's crop, but when you're losing uh, trees uh, and when you're losing uh, infrastructure, that's such long-term impact. And then when you have the ag economy the way it is right now, be some decisions that will probably mean a lot of farmers may be going out of business
2: well indeed i read that one of the agriculture commissioners said this isn't a an annual storm this is a generational storm that it will affect agriculture for for a generation uh in some, uh, some of these places so it is a uh, a real tragedy and i don't think we uh i don't think we understand the full impact of it yet
1: all right, Jerry, we appreciate you being with us, and uh, we'll be talking more in the days ahead. We've got some big events coming up. Uh, look forward to talking with you. Thank you.
2: All right. Good to talk to you.
1: Take care. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. All right, a little bit later on, we're going to talk about uh, the, the, the hearing that's been held these last couple of days. Interesting, this whole issue of, of these new products coming out, cell meat, lab meat, fake meat, imitation meat, The big question over who has jurisdiction, USDA or FDA, but also a big question, just what do you call these products? And uh, everyone involved seems to have different thoughts on that. We'll talk about that in a bit with Danielle Beck with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. But coming up next, more on these trade deals. Just how good a deal is this U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement? And what about the ongoing pain being caused by the Tensions with China. We'll talk about all that with Dave Salmonson and the American Farm Bureau Federation. That's coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
0: When it comes to powering your diesel equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS outshines all the rest. Diesel X Gold has been reformulated to restore lost power with new detergency that cleans up and prevents sticky internal injector deposits and traditional carbon deposits. So when you need more power to work the fields or drive down the highway, fuel your equipment with Diesel X Gold from FS. Contact your local FS energy specialist today and power your equipment with Diesel X Gold. Absolutely the best fuel to power and protect diesel engines. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know Adams on agriculture now back to Mike Adams
1: well just how good a deal is this USMCA the US Mexico Canada agreement when it comes to agriculture now it's not passed yet of course and uh, so we don't have the new one in place yet but of course the administration is certainly uh, using it as a, a campaign rallying point when talking especially in ag areas but the Federal Reserve banks in the Midwest are saying that, at least for now, this new trade deal won't do much to help and kind of downplaying its impact. So just how good a deal is it? Let's talk with Dave Solmanson, Senior Director of Congressional Relations for the American Foreign Bureau Federation. Dave, thanks for joining us. Uh, when I talk to a lot of ag groups, uh, they are saying it's more kind of a relief. Uh, we kind of didn't lose anything. We kept what we had. It, I'm not hearing much about big gains or big wins and maybe a little better access for dairy, not as much as even they wanted. Uh, how do you assess this thing?
6: Well, I,
7: we assess it as a continuity, uh, and, uh, opportunity, uh, continuity. Of course, we kept what we had, which was important. If you think about what all the, uh, discussion that went on over the last year and a half of potential withdrawals and a lot of potential big changes and, uh, would Mexico turn south, buy more corn and soybeans from Brazil and Argentina, would there be new tariffs on that border, um, and none of that's going to happen. The continuity will be there, the tariff-free treatment will continue, and the growth that we've had uh, we expect to continue. You have to remember we were about $8 billion in ag and food sales to Mexico and Canada combined before NAFTA in 93, and now we're approaching $40 billion a year of U.S. ag exports. So, um, big part of our exports, and all that's to the positive, all that's to the good. And what was there to gain? Talk about the gains we could have. Well, with Mexico, we already had tariff-free treatment, so there, that was you know that's the operation of markets. Uh, with Canada, almost all of the trade we have, they're our number one export uh, destination for ag. Uh, most of that is is tariff-free, though, so of course, we all remember the supply management, uh, continuing supply management programs for dairy and poultry, and they're very high tariffs. So there we got some quota increases, uh, not tariff reduction, but increases in the quotas we already have on dairy products. And that's going to amount to, we're not exactly sure, so looking at that, but it could probably more than a couple hundred million dollars of dairy, probably roughly the same more in poultry once the agreement's there and it's phased in. You know, we sell about six hundred million dollars worth of uh, dairy products here each year. About the same number in poultry products. We'll get some increases, and so that as far as market access gains, that's what was there to get. Um, that was the end of a tough negotiation process. So there are improvements, but everybody's focused, rightly so, on the continuity of very good markets.
1: So we didn't lose. Uh, that's. It uh, sounds like the big thing, although. You can say, wow, there's been a lot of uncertainty and you know, how the markets reacted and through all this and things like that. But it really comes back to China, doesn't it? I mean, we can talk about finding other markets and doing other things, but unless this China situation gets worked out, it's hard to see a big improvement anytime soon in our ag economy.
7: Yeah, there is. Of course, it is China, and it's. Uh, we're all hoping that either things get resolved, the tariffs go away, China gets back in the markets, and we can get back to where we usually are. <clears throat> Some of the numbers, though, show where, where we are right now. The latest numbers I've seen, that at this time of year, uh, say a year ago, we would have had contracts with China, say, for soybean sales of around um, $8 billion worth, And now we're somewhere over a billion dollars' worth of sales. So we are definitely behind uh, where we would be with China buying soybeans. A lot of questions about that. Will they come into the market later when they get a need for it? Um, How will they structure those where none of that is certain? The trade, obviously, is looking at this very closely. But a lot of issues uh, with that, and not just with soybeans, of course. There's pork. There's a whole range of products that have that 25% uh, or higher tariff going into china that are being impacted and the issue continues when you think about it a couple of um, things that are there that are yet to come uh january 1st the 10% tariff on the 200 billion dollars of chinese imports the us put on that went into effect at towards the end of september would go to 25% so i'm sure there'll be discussion about uh, whether that happens or keep that as it is and there's still another 250 billion dollars worth of uh imports from china into the u.s. they haven't had an additional tariff put on but that's under discussion so uh... this issue uh... still keeps changing uh... we hope that we get to some negotiations there is scheduled a meeting by president trump and president Xi of china a direct face-to-face meeting uh, around the g20 summit which is at the end of november in buenos aires Argentina. Uh, we certainly hope that uh, the run-up to that will lead to some discussions and maybe some decision-making uh, then, but uh, a uh, changeable situation as we uh, work up to that.
1: Yeah, let's hope they can uh, work out something soon. We're talking with Dave salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation, meanwhile talks with, with Europe. I mean, uh, it sounds like on one hand you think maybe something's going to open, but then when you really look at the comments by EU leaders, it doesn't sound like they're anxious at all to really uh, negotiate on agriculture and open up to potentially our ag products coming in more of them coming into their market.
7: Yeah, a lot of long history with the U.S. and the EU. Um, you know, an awful lot of issues have been uh, not settled our satisfaction for decades now. When we think of trade in beef and uh, pork and poultry, and continuing issues we have with our biotech products. So, you know, those all need to be on the table, the barriers that they have. I mean, we have a good trade with the EU. We're about $12 billion in what we send to them. They're about $20 billion in what they send to us. A good trade is certainly capable of improvement, and we think it would from our side if we could get rid of some of their barriers. But uh, they've been tough on that. Uh, the French especially really don't want any changes. Um, other countries, I think, might be a little more amenable, but uh, also we have certain sectors of their uh, ag economy they want to protect from U.S. competition. So it's a uh, difficult situation. You know, they, the administration sent that required a notice of intent to Congress uh, just a week or two ago, so they could start negotiations formally um, early next year. So a lot of discussion that's happening now is about other regulatory issues. They make some progress there. Hopefully that will be a good start to these negotiations. But, you know, we went through four years of negotiations with the European Union from 2013 to 2016, the old uh, transatlantic trade and investment partnership talks. They made some progress, but there was still a long way to go before that ended. I don't know if this picks up where that ended or if there's new issues, but uh, those uh, those talks always take a while
1: would seem to be a better chance of, once Brexit is all completed, that we could get something done with the U.K.?
7: Well, I think there would be, and that's uh, certainly they're having uh, tough discussions with the E.U., the United Kingdom is, of uh, how they're going to get out. And the real issue going ahead with the U.S. and the U.K., you know, again, there's a, a good market for us. We sell about $2 billion a year of ag and food into uh, Great Britain, and they sell a little bit more of, the, of that uh, coming this way. Uh so we have good trade again but they're subject to the same of course being part of the EU all these restrictive regulations and the question is what will their Brexit look like are they going to be on their own to make their own decisions or are they going to stick with what, the customs union over there and still be uh, beholden to these same restrictive uh import uh barriers so that is the real hard question for Great Britain how far are they going to go to be able to do their own deals or how uh How narrow can these deals be for U.S. agriculture to be able to get some benefit out of it? I think we look to that as another market capable of a lot of improvement. We certainly could sell more meat products there. We know that. But uh, it kind of depends on uh, how uh, the field that Great Britain has to play in. And that's kind of up for them and their talks with the EU to determine. But we're looking forward to that, to having uh, good negotiations, which could start uh, later on next year once they get done with the Brexit issue.
1: And one other note, what do you think is the future of the WTO? Is, is that organization, is that body, that system, you think, going to uh, continue, or do you see that breaking down?
7: I think the WTO will continue. Right now, they're engaged in uh, Canada's hosting some talks with a lot of countries, trying to find a way forward to deal with some of the issues. That the U.S. has brought up, and these were issues that have been dragging on for years, but now they seem to have come to a point where they really need serious attention. How the appellate body works, uh, how decisions are made there, what kind of cases they take, uh, under what grounds do they uh, go forward and make decisions? Um, how are they going to negotiate in the future? Uh, we haven't seen, you know, the Doha Round uh, didn't result uh, in anything; it resulted in failure basically because all the countries at once couldn't agree. They've engaged on some smaller groups, what they call plurilateral rounds, on different issues. Is that really the future? Well, if it is, then a lot of their procedures need to be overhauled for a different trading environment. You know, it was all written there in the, uh, in the early 90s, different world than we have now. I think it does require, as they say, some reform. But I think most of the countries are still dedicated to it. I think they see the benefit of having a rules-based trading system so we can move internationally. Uh, much better and these are the kind of issues it really needs a redo and an update and that's what they're working on
1: all right dave thank you good to talk with you
7: okay always a pleasure
1: take care dave Salmonson, senior director congressional relations for the american farm bureau federation all right last couple of days there's been a joint usda fda public hearing on cell cultured food technology we'll talk about that next here on aoa
3: Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Grain oil seed sector easier on this Thursday trading session. Weekly export sales fell below expectations for corn and soybeans, according to the Wire Talk. USDA reporting soybean net export sales of 212,700 metric tons for the week ending October 18th. Corn export sales of 349,700. 500 metric tons. December corn edged to a slightly lower close on Wednesday, trending 4 to 5 lower on this Thursday. The short term corn trend bias flipping to negative on Wednesday, the market closing below its 10 day moving average and back below the 369 and three quarters level. As long as the 10 day moving average resistance and the 372 and a half high from Tuesday hold firm, Corn bears retain the short term technical edge. In soybean futures, we are four to five cents lower an hour into Thursday's session. The bean bears remain in control of the short term trend. The January contract is trading below its 10-day and 20-day moving averages. U.S. stocks opened higher today after an intense sell-off on Wednesday wiped out this year's gains in the S&P 500 and Dow Jones Industrial Average. Some recovery being seen on this Thursday. In the wheat futures, we're trending four to six lower in Chicago and Kansas City, penny and a fraction lower in Minneapolis. Live cattle futures, a mix. October up 25, back months steady to 37 cents lower. Feeder cattle, 7 cents to 57 cents lower. Lean hog futures, a dime to 62 higher. The Dow up 200 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson.
4: We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you
0: information America's farmers and ranchers need to know Adams on agriculture now back to Mike Adams what's in a name well quite a bit
1: especially when it comes to food products and how you can present them and and promote them and that was a big part of the uh, of the discussion the last couple days at a joint USDA FDA public hearing on cell cultured food technology So what do we call it? Is it fake meat, uh, lab meat, imitation meat? Uh, Those that are producing the products don't like those kind of names. They don't think that's fair to them. So that's a big part of the debate. And then who has jurisdiction over this new technology as well? Let's talk about it with Danielle Beck, Director of Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, who's been a part of that hearing the last few days. Danielle, thank you very much. First of all, how did you think the hearing went?
5: Well, thank you so much for having me. I, I think that it was a good exercise. It was an important first step to show that both USDA and FDA are committed to working together. I hope the administration takes that seriously because prior to this meeting, FDA was sort of you know first out of the gate, and they were moving ahead without any interaction or input from USDA at all. And it's critically important that both agencies play a role, but more importantly that USDA have that primary jurisdictional role because ultimately that's going to determine you know, whether or not we're all competing on an even playing field moving forward.
1: So you're okay with kind of joint jurisdiction?
5: No, I wouldn't say that. Uh, You know, there is a significant precedent uh, where FDA takes an initial look at a a process and input, uh, whether it's you know, technology like irradiation or food ingredients uh, or additives like nitrates, they make an initial safety determination. They vet it. They set maximum and minimum levels. And then once they've set those standards and put forth recommendations, uh, just because nitrates are used in cured meat, Uh, USDA still has jurisdiction over that, just like radiation technologies used in meat products. Uh, We want USDA to have primary jurisdiction, but that's not to say that FDA uh, shouldn't play a role. There isn't an appropriate role for them. And we think that FDA really needs to vet this technology. They need to look at every individual input uh, and make individual safety determinations before uh, these products can be commercialized and they go to market.
1: What do you say to those who are saying that the reason that you, NCBA, the beef industry, wants USDA to have jurisdiction is because you think it's more favorable to you, it's, they're more apt to uh, side with you on this issue.
5: Yeah. I'm really glad that you asked me that because ultimately uh, it's, a, it's about the law. The way that the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act is written, uh, it allows for a lot of room for error. If we look at the dairy industry and the way that they've had to deal with imitation soy milk, uh, almond milk products using, you know, misleading labels and marketing claims, it's because FDA doesn't take a look at product labels before they hit the market. It's incumbent upon the agency to take enforcement action after the fact. And, you know, we've seen for 30 years now they've turned a blind eye to the law. Only, you know, a few months ago FDA finally acknowledged something we already know, and that's that almonds don't lactate. Uh, In addition to that, FDA's safety mechanisms, the way that they go in and look at food manufacturing facilities, it's a fundamentally different system than USDA. Uh, High-risk facilities are supposed to be inspected once every three years, but lower-risk facilities, it's my understanding, they may see an FDA employee once per decade. Uh, The Federal Meat Inspection Act requires continuous daily inspection of all meat and poultry products. Uh, so that ensures that an FSIS employee is on site inspecting products domestically produced uh, each and every day, so that our consumers here in the U.S. are protected. Uh, you know, also just as important, FDA or USDA takes a look at every single product label, and it has to be approved by USDA before that product can legally enter the market. And their labeling uh, is based on sound scientific evidence. They won't allow for disparaging labeling claims. So, you know, ultimately, this isn't about us having a leg up. It's about maintaining an even playing field. If you want to compete uh, in the markets, you know, directly against, you know, our own products, uh, traditional meat versus, you know, lab-grown meat, um, you know, you should have to play by the same set of rules. And to me, that just seems fair.
1: Any indication coming out of the hearing this week when a decision will be made on jurisdiction?
5: Well, ultimately, we've still got a little bit of time left. Uh, There's a public comment period that is open until November 27th. NCBA will be submitting comments, and we are encouraging all of our affiliates and our members to to submit comments as well. Uh, After that period closes, they'll have to go in, review all of the comments. Uh, What was clear to me, at least, after the first day's worth of meetings, uh, was that there are a lot more questions than there are answers. There were a lot of really good points raised by folks in the you know meat science industry, uh, you know, folks with a consumer safety perspective. That really, uh, I think a lot of these questions need to be answered, and we're just not there yet. Uh, we may not even be able to answer some of them until this technology has reached its commercial scale point in time. I mean, how do you create a of plan for something that's never been done before?
1: All right now. We're talking with Danielle Beck with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Danielle, let's talk about what the products are going to be called because that's a big uh, issue as well. Now, I'm, I'm reading quotes from CEOs of uh, some of these companies that are producing or going to produce these cell based uh, products. And they say that the term lab grown meat uh, is intensely misleading and unfair to them. Another says, when we go to market and label this or their product, it would be simply dishonest to label it as anything other than meat. So where are we on the debate over what they can call their product?
5: We still have a long way to go, I think. Uh, you know, Ultimately, scientists need to get these products under a microscope and take a look to see if they actually meet the definition of meat or maybe meat food product or a meat byproduct under the Federal Meat Inspection Act. Uh, that determination needs to be made, uh, and then we can worry about the nomenclature from there. I think one thing is clear, though, uh, these, the purveyors of these products should not be allowed to use misleading terms like clean, which are inherently disparaging to traditional products. You know, there are some companies out there who are, leading the charge on terms like cell-based, um, they understand that clean is, you know, in fact, disparaging, and they're willing to turn away from that. I think they're probably very, uh... They're the most reasonable uh, of the players out in that space. But on the other hand, there are folks out there whose ultimate goal is to bring an end to animal agriculture. And so they want to be misleading in their marketing claims, and it's very, very intentional. So uh, that determination will be made, I I assume, through USDA through an open, transparent rulemaking process. And whatever claims are used uh, need to be based on science, and they need to provide consumers with enough information to make informed purchasing decisions. If it's not lab-grown, maybe it's factory-produced or artificial or synthetic.
1: And I think, obviously, I think they're going to push for not, be, not using those terms because it probably is harder to sell. They would rather have meat or, or even use beef. Now, I'm assuming you're going to try to protect beef just as their industry is trying to protect uh, the use of, uh, the, of the name milk.
5: Absolutely. We are committed to protecting beef nomenclature, and we're committed to providing consumers with the appropriate information. Uh, There was a consumer union survey recently uh, conducted where I think more than 40 percent of consumers believed that they should come with a a disclosure uh, saying lab-grown. The next uh, labeling claim underneath that was, in fact, synthetic. Only five percent of survey respondents thought it was appropriate to call these products meat without any other uh, labeling claim or associated uh, denomination so that they knew what they were buying.
1: I it, it all looks like consumer confusion to me and the risk of consumer confusion.
5: Absolutely.
1: And then then the question is going to be, how do you, Prevent consumer confusion, provide accurate information to consumers without forcing a name on a product that influences a decision, say, I guess the concern would be by these new companies that would influence consumers away from their products. So, boy, it's going to be hard to come up with that middle ground, isn't it?
5: It is, but you know what, I think we can trust USDA to manage that process and come to a decision Uh, that we can all live with FDA on the other hand you know if we look at what the dairy industry has experienced again I mean I don't know that we can trust them with that Uh, USDA the way the law is structured they will absolutely ensure that there's an even playing field and that consumers know exactly what it is they're buying
1: this it's a head shaker to me I mean who would have ever thought we would be sitting here discussing uh, that there would be any question what is milk what is meat what is beef I mean You would think that's as clear as can be, but I guess these are the times in which we live.
5: Yeah, I mean, these products sound like something out of the Jetsons.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and to not know what they are or that there could ever be products that would try to use their names, I don't think any of us could have really imagined this. But uh, I think your position on on this issue is – you draw upon the experience of what's been going on in the dairy industry, and that had been let go for so long, and look where it's at now that they've got a real issue with it.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, and I think it's really important that uh – we have an even playing field in USDA as the regulator because they recognize that you know beef producers across the country are proud of the products that they work hard each and every day to produce. Uh, they'll find a way to make sure that beef nomenclature is protected, the integrity of our products continue to be protected, but they also protect consumers uh, from new products that enter the market while also allowing for innovation.
1: Well, this one's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. It sounds like it's going to take a while to sort it all out. But uh, interesting couple of days this week at the hearing. Thank you, uh, Danielle, for giving us some insight into it. Appreciate it very much.
5: Of course. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Take care. Danielle Beck. Danielle Beck with the uh, National Cattlemen's Beef Association, their director of government affairs. So watch how this story plays out. I mean, as these new products uh, uh, start uh, getting uh, closer and closer to being on the market, um, how will they be labeled? Who has jurisdiction? Who decides how they're going to be labeled? What are they going to be called? Well, these are big issues as the uh, cell-based, uh, lab-based technology, these food products become uh, more and more available and um, some big, big choices and decisions uh, ahead on that. And how do you protect uh, the traditional beef and dairy and those products uh, and still allow, if you're going to allow these new products in as well? some tough decisions ahead well some farmers with some tough decisions what to do with storage uh, after this year's big harvest in a state like illinois we're in talk with the bureau chief of warehouses for the illinois department of agriculture to see how this state of illinois is handling the storage situation this year stay with us you're listening to aoa
6: adams on agriculture Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens
4: to your teeth? Swabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of paraswabs And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with paraswabs In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth, as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free. Call 866 That's 866 I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276.
0: When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover tar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.
6: A powerful threat calls for a greater response. When there's a battle, bring strength. When there's a problem,
0: seek answers. When there is doubt, give hope.
6: Not tomorrow.
0: Not in a few years. But right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day.
8: And you can be part of this battle, too. Visit StandUpToCancer.org to learn more.
6: Together, we can save lives. and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit.
0: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well,
1: as this harvest rolls on, storage is a big issue, whether it's because of the big crop or lack of exports or a lot of old crops still in the bins. It was maybe just a perfect storm, but it's certainly made for a challenging situation in some areas and in some states like the state of illinois joining us now is joe small he's bureau chief of warehouses for the illinois department of agriculture joe thanks for joining us uh what are you hearing and seeing around the state of illinois and as far as requests on temporary and emergency storage
9: well we're getting we're getting quite a few requests um um, um, i guess it would be if you wanted to see it's at least similar to last year um the only thing is is that uh, guys are busy out there still and um I suspect they, they may be a little delayed sending in their request for a temp and emergency. So we're just waiting, and our, our examiners are out in the field. They're uh, uh, measuring uh, their temp piles, and we're just busy. We're just busy.
1: Yeah, what is that procedure? Kind of walk us through that. What are, they, what are the steps that have to be taken?
9: Yeah, what, what happens is is uh, if our licensees, you know, they, they, they realize that their permanent storage, their they're full and they want to continue to service their customers. They usually just uh, fill out a um, amendment application where they turn in the form to our office and they they request to have additional, either temporary or emergency, um, added to their license so that they can uh, make sure they can take more grain in that uh, that they know is coming. So it's kind of a process, and our our examiners actually go out in the field. Uh, they um, they add those. Uh, those ground piles that they plan to fill or temp piles, they, they add them to their license. So we, we go out and measure, and, and then we have, we add that information, and then there's a, a charge to them for having additional uh, storage capacity. So it's it's a process. It takes a little time. It's a little back and forth, but we get there.
1: Well, as you point out, harvest for some are not done yet, so some of these requests may yet come in then, right?
9: I, I believe you're, we're going to see more of them uh, we're, uh, because it just seems as though when we' our uh, um, examiners are out there they're busy. So when they're busy, some of these things kind of you know take a little time to get them worked out so they get them sent in. So you know that, that may be a little bit of the delay of, of receiving all the, the documents that we're supposed to get.
1: So up till now, you think the, the number has been similar to years past?
9: I think it's close to last year. It's a little lower right now, but I, I think that's more of the delay. Uh, maybe more associated with the delay, and, and, and they may be a little busier this year, and just not getting things to us as quicks. Because we cannot, um, we cannot assess how much is out there till they let us know. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. so that's kind of our that's my that's our feel that we have that uh, as we look out into the industry this year
1: so when we say temporary storage how long can that be how how long is temporary
9: temporary is they 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 have the ability to leave grain in these um, temporary uh, uh, temporary spaces for 6 months so it's a little different for emergency it's a little less it's only uh, 90 days um and that's because, you know, of, of, of the structures they're in, of temporary storage will hold the grain better. So it gets a little more time in regards to how long they can have grain in those uh, structures.
1: So you're getting more temporary or emergency requests?
9: Uh, much more temporary, uh, much more temporary. But that's usually the norm. Um, there's more temporary. Emergency people tend to, you know, that's that's something that they do as a last resort. And, they, you know, because of your grain is... is it's on the ground as opposed to on a, a solid structure and has tarps over it. So people people just, that's not a norm. That's usually what they do as a last resort.
1: Bureau Chief of Warehouses for the Illinois Department of Agriculture, looking at the storage situation in the state of Illinois. Uh, do you have enough examiners, uh, inspectors to go out and do all this? I, I would guess that they are really busy.
9: Well, they are, and we one thing we try to do during this time of the year is we we try to move a, a little bit away from, um... um I, I guess, in a sense, uh, I, I would call it pestering our our licensees, and more so uh, dealing with the with this temporary emergency um, process. So it, it, we kind of we try to stay out of their way a little bit so that they can keep getting their work done without us constantly asking for additional documents and hey could you pride me this and this so we're, we're trying to work with them so that um, you know they can get their jobs done and, and we can get our jobs done also
1: has have you seen a significant increase in farmers storage their own on farm storage that maybe uh, has picked up some of this uh, uh, this load that helped with this situation
9: well that, that's more of an anecdotal stuff for our part, because, you know, we do see that uh, farmers are using more of these these sock-type um, um, mm-hmm. um, um, storage uh, bags that you probably have seen out there. So we are seeing more of that out there, but we don't know if that's uh, in replacement of, of what other storage they already have. So it, that's more of an anecdotal type of view on it. Yeah, we, we're seeing different types of Storage apparatuses such as like I said those those socks that that they call them socks or they bags,
1: bags um, yeah. but
9: it's you know it's difficult to put your finger on if there's more out there because that's that's not something that we maintain a, a, a listing of how much uh, on on farm on on farm storage there is
1: yeah, it just seems driving around the state it seems like there's I've seen more maybe it's, I just noticed or I'm, I'm paying more attention to it it just seems like I've seen more of those bags this year.
9: Yeah, we'll have a better ideal at the end of, uh, or towards December, because everything will be in and tallied, and we'll we'll have a better picture on how it compared to, to last year. It's a little early for us, because we kind of, we, we come in towards the middle to the end, um, so we'll have a better picture as we get closer to um, uh, December.
1: And meanwhile, even though Illinois is well ahead of a lot of states on harvest, as we point out, it's not done yet.
9: No, we still we still got uh you know there's beans out there and um I know there's beans and corn is a little further ahead but uh, they're still uh, wrapping it up and um um I, you know I suspect maybe in the next few weeks or so we'll we'll they'll, they'll be putting their stuff away. <laughs>
1: yeah. And uh, you'll get more requests uh, for where oh, they can yeah. uh, store it and where they can pile it up for sure. All right, Joe, thank you very much. Thanks for the update.
9: It's great. Have a great day.
1: Take care. Joe Small, Bureau Chief of Warehouses for the Illinois Department of Agriculture. All right, coming up on tomorrow's program, we're going to uh, learn about a, uh, a rally today going on in Wisconsin, talking about trade and the impact of trade on a state like Wisconsin, agriculture overall. We'll get an update on the African swine fever situation. What does that mean as far as maybe a market opportunity, but also what's the risk to the United States? And we'll also uh, have continue our series on looking ahead to 2019, planning ahead, preparations, some things you can be looking at. All that coming up tomorrow. Tomorrow, join us on AOA.